Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Jerry Clark, and I am the host of Storytime with Legendary Jerry Podcast. For the last 30 years, I have worked with some of your favorite artists like Outkast, Killer Mike, Jeezy, Akon, Jermaine Dupri, and so many, many more. Storytime with Legendary Jerry is an ode to the South. Southern rap has had the game on lock for years, and now I'm telling you legendary stories of how we did it. Listen to Storytime with Legendary Jerry on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Angela Yee, host of Angela Yee's Lip Service. If you listen to my podcast, you know I love making space for women to be themselves. That's why I'm excited to be part of Women Take the Mic, iHeartRadio's celebration of the women who make music, influence change, and create culture. All month long, your favorite voices from talk radio, music, and podcasting will highlight the remarkable achievements made by women and discuss the most significant issues facing us today. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash Women's Day for more. And listen to Women Take the Mic on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, 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 what is going on? Welcome to another episode of the 3 on 3 Pod. It's your boy, Chris Williamson, out here for another week. Tariq is recovering from surgery. Dee Dee is balling in Australia, so we have some very fine co-hosts coming in off the bench. First up. Got streaming content producer for Brother From Another. She really does it all for them. Natalie Esquire. Natalie, what's going on, baby? What's up? How are you doing? Thanks for having me. It's really a pleasure. We love having you on. You bring so much fresh insight. And then, of course, we bring on somebody who's already been on the show, Martin Suarez, the founder of Basketball Society, also a podcast host. There's really dope content. Also, it's got some personal training skills going on. So, Martin, we love having you back. What's going on? Man, good to be here. Always good to see you, Chris, and good to see you, Sister Natalie. Always good to be here to chop it up and talk some hoops with you, man. Likewise, Martin. Pleasure to meet you. You know what's great also to see is how Bronny James made his USC debut this Sunday against Long Beach State, where he put up four points, three boards, and two dimes. And that's that's not a great stat line, right, for – a freshman, even though it was in 16 points or 16 minutes, but it's the fact that he's coming off a cardiac arrest. He had a cardiac arrest months ago, so we weren't even sure how this would all play out, whether he would even be able to play basketball ever again because he does have a heart defect, as we learn from that cardiac arrest. So my question to y'all, and Nat, I'll start with you, what did you make of, I guess, the – the hype around his debut, the LeBron James and company family coming together, all of them supporting him and the excitement around his uh, high flying plays. Yeah. I mean, look, I thought it was great. You know, I mean, it's his son, you know, so, I mean, it's just a heart 
heartfelt story regardless. Obviously, he's the son of LeBron James, so he's going to get extra attention no matter what his whole life. And that can be a good or a bad thing. But right now, in this moment, we're just here to celebrate his return and that he can play basketball again. Um, You know, a lot of times with these heart conditions, it is an underlying defect. And so it can sometimes go a different way. So thankfully, you know, he's okay. Thankfully he's back on the basketball court. I'm sure as he gets back, you know, into shape, his conditioning, all those things, we'll see improvement from him, but you know, it was great. And I thought it was notable that LeBron had said prior to the game, like if it conflicts with the Lakers game, he's going to be there. Obviously I think anyone would expect a father to do that for their child. But, you know, the James family is a lovely family. And so, you know, shout out to Bronny. Happy to have him back. Yeah, no, I, I just think it's dope to see him out on the court. Um, there's a lot of anticipation around him because he's LeBron's son. The health scare was, it just, it sucked because it's like, yo, we we do want to see this kid play. The, the thing about Bronny James that's most interesting to me, just from a basketball standpoint, the kid is a dynamite athlete like his dad sees the floor like his dad has great instincts, great spatial awareness on the floor. That boy can shoot that ball, Chris and that, that boy can shoot that ball. That to me, that is one of his strongest traits as a basketball player, which kind of separates him a little bit from his dad who hasn't been known to be a a great shooter in his career. So I I just think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, I don't I don't know how to really project his ceiling or anything that the health thing, like Nat said, I'm I'm glad to see him just get back. And he may not even be in, in tip top shit yet. That's a great point, Nat. He may not even be in full rhythm yet. He just got back from a whole health concern. So I look forward to seeing him continue to progress. I think we're going to see more chase down blocks, more highlight level plays. But again, he can really shoot that ball, man. He looks like a really sound sharp college basketball player right now. And that that's really exciting for me. Uh, well, the way the league is going, that will bode well for him to be a good shooter. Obviously it'll extend his basketball career. Yeah. And I think he's also like, he's got all the measurables and the skills, you know, to be an NBA prospect. Of course, he's not, ne- he's not going to be in the same vein as his father, but that's a really high bar that's uh, unattainable. But he, I do think he has a future in the NBA, and especially as you pointed out now with the shooting, if he's able to really lock in on that and become a knockdown three-point shooter, uh, he will have a lot of chances to uh, make people happy on the other level when it comes to the NBA um, because that is what the game is about right now. And I, yeah, the chase down block, Martin, I, it just it felt poetic that that was one of his first highlight plays. And the only thing I wish was the announcer – said blocked by James so we could do like the side-by-side, but he said blocked by Bronny, of course. Um, But just seeing his elevation and how it looks so similar to his father, um, yeah, that gave me chills. That definitely gave me chills. You know what doesn't give? He's 6'2". He ain't 6'9", like his daddy. He's about 6'2", 6'3". Like, let's not forget. He, he, so... And I think his favorite player is Steph Curry. Like, Steph is his favorite player. So, like, look at who he's watching and studying. And how he plays, he does have some of his dad, but bro, he everybody ain't gonna be six nine two seventy, including his oldest son. So I think he's making the most out of what he what he has. No, he definitely is, and, and that's what you want to see uh, from a guy with his size and all the expectations that he has on him. Speaking about expectations, uh, LeBron has surpassed all the expectations that people put on him 
since he came to the league as an 18-year-old. And what did he do, y'all? This past weekend, he just added to his legacy with another championship. <laughs> we talking about the NBA in-season tournament. He got the first ever, you know, in-season tournament MVP in the finals, <laughs> beating the Indiana Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton, and crew. Um, honestly, I know, Nat, you have some very uh, interesting opinions on this. I, I enjoyed the in-season tournament. It's not perfect. It's definitely a lot better than what I thought. But, yo, it's it's funny because you're thinking, okay, the, these players are not going to be that locked in for, you know, five, extra 500K, whatever. But then to see the level of play just rise and rise as these games go on and you see how much passion there is, I'm all for it, Nat. But what do you think about people – Sometimes trying to right now trying to discredit uh, LeBron getting this title because of what also would happen with the bubble where it's like, oh, LeBron, of course, he gets this. So now everybody thinks he's like finest things in sliced bread. I think we got to stop using words like title. And I get that it was called a championship and stop trying to make this more than it was. Um, they won a championship. Yes, we got our jokes off about the bubble. It was fun and we still get them off and it is what it is. That's just what it's going to be. And they got to get over it. Okay. Um, Lakers fans, LeBron fans, they too in their feelings, but I'm a Warriors fan. Right. And I got to always hear people talk about 2016, get over it. But with respect to, um, this, like, First of all, I know for a fact that everyone was not loving this concept from the beginning. First of all, there's tweets going back all over Twitter where people are like, no one asked for this. Why are we doing this? So we need to stop fronting and pretending that everyone just loved this from the beginning. It was a very like, we need to see what's going to happen, right? And then I have been on other shows talking with people who have criticized them and been like, oh, whatever. There's headlines and all kinds of articles written where people were like, eh. So, you know, I, I think a lot of this and, and look, if, you know, I'm an older NBA fan, even if I don't look like it. So I've been watching the NBA since like magic for a very long time. This does not move me. I don't dislike it. It just doesn't move me. It's not compelling. Ha they, they designated a few in-season games and said, okay, regular season games said this is going to count towards the IST, right? And then there's just one championship game and that doesn't count towards anything. The stats don't count. 80, you know, 40 and 20, you know, had this great game. And where does it go in the stat books? Nowhere. It goes nowhere. And prior Prior to this, the Lakers said they weren't even going to hang the banner. And you know what? I believe Adam Silver made that call. So, yes, while I had fun clowning the Lakers yesterday, right, I do think it was a league thing. I think the league pushed the Lakers to hang some sort of banner because them saying that they're not going to hang it delegitimizes de it, right? Like, if they don't hang it, you had AD right after his postgame interview saying, like, yes, I know it's not the real thing. Like, if the players themselves are saying this, that's why it's like, okay, it's cute. It's cute, but like, it doesn't mean that much to me. And I don't think it means that much, you know, for players' legacies. And like, when we start popping champagne bottles and coming up with all tourney teams, all tournament teams based on what, five games? Yeah, like, come on. It's, it's, 
it's ridiculous. It's it's contrived almost at this point. It, no, it really is. I'm sorry. I, I am rambling, so I'm going to stop. But it, it's too it's too much. I think the best thing about this tournament is that players like Tyrese Halliburton, teams that don't regularly get a national spotlight on them, are getting some attention. And to me, that is really... Um, a criticism of the league that you were not already highlighting these players. It shouldn't have taken this to, to bring Tyrese Halliburton to the national spotlight. And by the way, it's also a criticism of the league that you have to do something like this to get your players interested. And I want to be clear what they were interested in was the money. If you just had this tournament and they didn't have a great additional incentive, it would have looked just like the all-star game. So when people are saying, Oh, the players love it. No, the players love the money. Okay. Let's be clear. I'll stop. <laughs> Matt just Matt just gave us the whole sermon. I, I agree so much <laughs> with Natalie's sentiment. It's actually scary. It's actually scary. Yeah, I, I my friends were in group chats like, man, this is great. We love this. I'm like, man, I I didn't I didn't like this. At, the only thing I liked about the in season tournament is my inherent bias of college versus NBA. I like one and done games. I'm always, I always tell my guys, I'm like, man, you guys don't know until you cover the league. You don't know how stressful it is to have to cover a game two, a game three, a game, a, a seven game series. You got to analyze every game, every piece that the series is totally different game to game. I enjoyed the one and done. I enjoy NBA guys having to show up and say, we, we got to play tonight. We got, there's no uh, adjustments game two. Uh, we'll just, we'll just, you know, We'll make adjustments in game three. You know, we'll be no, no two one, no two two. No, you got to win this game or you go home. That's the that's the only thing I did enjoy about it. But what I can't enjoy is not understand. I didn't understand anything from the beginning. The groups, the tiers, who plays who, who yeah. plays. I'm like, just tell me who's in the final four or who's in the elite eight. Like, just show me who's there at the end, and I guess I'll watch. My takeaway was that I like. I think the fans drew the excitement for this like my, my friends who were watching games like yo this seems a little more lit it's only because the, the fans I think like who were at the games were pretty invested too because it, it creates more of a college atmosphere it's a one and done game Pacers fans feel like they can beat the Lakers in a championship game because it's one game we don't got to beat LeBron out of seven games we just got to win one game so I like that dynamic of it but I don't like not knowing the dynamics and who plays who I think they should, they I know they're talking about ideas to add a little more to it, do some different things. I think it's, a, I think it's a decent start for what the league wanted to do. I think it was good for the fans. I agree with Natalie. I don't think the, I don't think anything mattered to the players other than, yeah, I could get an extra little bit of money. I said to my friends, like, I don't think when I'm watching games again, I think the fans created a lot of that atmosphere I did not like the colors of the courts, too many colors, too many oh my God. blocking, blocking. I, so many things I just didn't like. But I'm just like, I don't think, I'm pretty yeah, sure we decent basketball games last year, most. December. I'm not, I'm not all the way like, oh, play, NBA players don't show up to play. We don't see quality. I'm pretty sure if you go back to December 2022, I'm pretty sure we had some quality basketball games. So it's not just completely like, Oh, we need this to have meaningful basketball. I, I'm not. I'm not all the way on that side either. Guys show up to play. I'm not saying NBA guys play their hardest every single night. We know that's not the case, but it, we don't need this to just save meaningful basketball. That's my takeaway. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Some would call a thought leader. 
Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. No unexplained theories, no mundane lessons, no using 20 words when two will do. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. I'm giving you straight talk, relatable stories, and life lessons through my own experiences and the lens of others. We're not just talking about why financial freedom is important. We're focusing on how you can achieve it too. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done from the streets to the suites. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? This your boy, Jerry Clark, and I am the host of Storytime with Legendary Jerry Podcast. For the last 30 years, I have worked with some of your favorite artists, like Outkast, Killer Mike, Jeezy, Akon, Jermaine Dupree, and so many, many more. Storytime with Legendary Jerry is an ode to the South. Southern rap has had the game on lock for years, and now I'm telling you legendary stories of how we did it. Like Pastor Troy doing the ad-libs for one of Justin Timberlake's biggest hits. Whenever you listen to Cry Me a River, man, I'm all through them ad-libs on that song. It's that one, 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 Cry Me a River, ah. Y'all hear this, man? to it, man. And what if I told you Jazzy Faye and CeeLo have an unreleased album just sitting in the vault waiting? Now, you and CeeLo had a group for a minute, man. Yeah, we got a whole album in the can. We got a, we have a whole album. Now I have partnered with iHeart Podcast to bring you one of the hottest podcasts in the game, telling you some of the most unheard stories in the music industry. Listen to Storytime with Legendary Jerry on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Angela Yee, host of Angela Yee's Lip Service. If you listen to my podcast, you know I love making space for women to be themselves. That's why I'm excited to be part of Women Take the Mic, iHeartRadio's celebration of the women who make music, influence change, and create culture. All month long, your favorite voices from talk radio, music, and podcasting will highlight the remarkable achievements made by women and discuss the most significant issues facing us today. Search Women Take the Mic to listen to a collection of International Women's Day episodes from iHeart's top podcasts, including Dear Chelsea, The Psychology of Your 20s, and Lip Service. It's a great way to support women and discover your new favorite show. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash Women's Day for more and listen to Women Take the Mic on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, that's that's fair. Yeah, we, we don't need to save it, but it just adds a little more intrigue and pop right a little more juice and i don't know i feel like i think, <laughs> if there was I think it did i think so they marketed it they made they tried to make it into a into a th- i think it created intrigue i think so yeah it did. i think for a lot of newer fans and and i don't mean that in a negative way i think younger fans the nba has an issue right now right like like people are not tuned in the way that they used to um for whatever reasons, whether the season is too long, but players are not playing, you know, invested in every game. So, but, you know, and look, he, he's a very cynical person. So Ethan Strauss put out this piece and I'm not an Ethan Strauss proponent, but I did read it because 
they're very valid points that were made. And I don't know that the league got their return on investment because yeah, you did get like a slight ratings boost, but there was a lot of money poured into advertising this. Um, also in terms of the courts, just everything. And like, they tried to sell it to Netflix and Netflix was like, no, I'm good now. I, 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 you know, and so, cause the idea is that they want to package this and ultimately sell it. This is not just like to get a few extra little bumps and ratings. Right. So they have to get it to be a compelling product. The fact that the players were a little bit more engaged and fans liked it and it got a little bit more buzz around a regular season game. I don't know that that's going to justify all of the money they're spending to advertise it, you know? So like, yeah, there's been some great pieces that have come out about what can be changed about it. And that's why I've continually said, like, maybe it will turn into something I love. But right now, as is, as constructed, the proof of concept isn't moving me. And also, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, um, Anthony Davis is on the all tournament team means nothing to me, means nothing for legacy purposes, you know, and like everyone's like, yeah, this is the 80 we know. This is the 80 we know. Yes. Can we see this 80 over a seven game series? Can we see that? Because that's always been the issue, not whether he can do it for one game, but whether he can do it for over a series. So I'm sorry. Great 80. You had a great game. Now do it over an entire playoff run. Do it over an entire series. Do it. And then, you know, maybe. AD had that great bubble run, and then he had some stretches great there. Last hey, it counted. It was still basketball, Nat. It was still still damn basketball. Um, I just feel like people, they, they don't, well, they don't really appreciate AD for the moment that he gave us, right? It's, okay, do this every other time. Like, I understand that argument. Fault is that? That's his fault. That's not our I know fault. You're right. You're right. I'm just That's saying, yo. That's what the great ones do. So if you're going to tell me he's great, like the great ones, if you're going to tell me he's one of the top, however many greatest players of all time in NBA history, then he needs to do what those other greats do. He needs to be held to that same expectation. Okay. I'm not softening the expectations for AD to, to, to fawn over him for one game. Do it consistently. It was a great game. And I give you that credit for a great game that does not count in the stat books. Okay. But that's it. I don't know how much more you expect me to give them. And this has nothing to do with the Lakers. Me, I would be embarrassed if the Warriors were carrying on like this about this game. Please. I don't care about it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play on. We have the rest of the season to go. Oh my goodness, Lord, Nat, Mar, you got, yeah, Mar, you got to help me out here. But I don't think you're gonna help. Hey me man, out. I told you, I'm I, for the most part, I'm I'm drinking Natalie's Kool Aid, dog. I I I go to her church if she was a pastor. I'm I'm picking. <laughs> I'm you, I, I can't. You know, it, it's hard to argue with that. Listen, I I. I I do hear you, Chris, because I sometimes I find myself trying to stick up for AD because it's like, yo, when he, you know, when he goes 40-20, like, you know, man, yeah, it looks great. But then, you know, in two weeks, we could be calling him street clothes again. So and that, it's tough. It's, it's tough, man. It's tough with AD. Like, you can, he's, he does have to – I think he could use another dominant playoff run. I, I think he could use that just for his resume, get the bubble thing off his back. You know, if he could get one more run in him, I think it'll just, I think people like Natalie will ease off him a little bit. 
And I, yeah. the thing is, I don't even be on 80 like that, to be honest. I, I've never been someone who likes to knock players for missing games because I, with him, I don't think it's like a he doesn't take it seriously. You know, I just think he's, first of all, taller players <laughs> have have a harder time with their bodies. We know that historically. Right. And so it's not his fault that, you know, his body doesn't maybe hold up. But the point is still, like, even when he is on the court sometimes, he doesn't always have that aggression. He's He doesn't always have that dominance. I don't know if it's because his body isn't feeling right. I don't know what it is. All I can all I can do is evaluate the play I see on the court, you know? So I, I truly don't attack him. That's that's not even what I do. I just, like, I'm, I'm not, like, it was dope that you did that in a game, but, like, I'm not moved by it. You know, and I'm not moved by the tournament. That's all. I really don't dislike it. I'm just not. It, it doesn't move me. It doesn't compel me. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I do know something that does move you, and that is a, a lady by the name of Dawn Staley uh, up there yeah, in uh, right. South Carolina. People thought Dawn Staley and her South Carolina Gamecocks were going to fall off a lot coming into the season. They're like, you lose all your starters. Right? You got five of them who were drafted in the WNBA. I mean, there's all these other players who are coming in. You know, Juju Watkins. You got Anna Hidalgo, right? So many other talented people, teams that are going to be more competitive. Caitlin Clark, Iowa. And lo and behold, South Carolina is the number one team at this moment, 9-0. and And they have not rebuilt. They have reloaded and i think as dawn pointed out they have renovated the hell out of their team hell out of their team with new pieces in the lineup players who haven't had that same type of experience because the freshies class took over so much of that time and it's really a testament to the culture and the the coaching expertise that dawn staley has instilled um in her team and in her program and i'm gonna be honest y'all I thought South Carolina would be a good team going into this year. I knew they had talented people coming in, returning, that were going to be in new spots. But I didn't expect them to be undefeated at this point. And I damn sure didn't expect them to be, number one, competing the way they have against top 10, top 15 teams, top 25 teams, and getting it done day in and day out. So my thing that is, what really has stuck out to you about the way the Gamecocks have Gamecocks have come out the gate to really establish, like, yo, we may be young, we may be new, but we coming, we ain't scared of nobody. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just a testament to Dawn Staley, right? Like, like you said, and the culture that she set, um, and they embody her personality, right? And so. Look, these players, I'm sure they they heard the chatter, they heard the talk, so they probably feel like they got something to prove. I think one of the biggest things that Dawn addressed was the shooting, right? We saw that affect them in the Final Four. And so that, you know, because we know she's going to have her players playing the right game. We know she's going to coach them properly. She doesn't get the credit for being an X's and O's guru and, 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 you know, all of that. It's always about sort of like, toughness and these words that are used to describe her team but she is a legit bona fide coaching guru so like I I had no you know coming into the season you know when I was like sort of previewing the season and looking at it I was just like don't sleep on dawn I kind of questioned South Carolina's ranking I thought it was a little low 
to begin the season. Um, I, I understood like LSU and, and Iowa being ahead of them, yeah. but I, there were some of the teams I, I wasn't, you know, I thought maybe it was a reach, but I, I love what they've done. Um, and they, they win a different way each game, you know? And so it shows their versatility. And I, I just think she's, what she's done is incredible. I think the squad is incredible. Um, and the thing is they're so young and there's so much room for growth. So just imagine what they're going to be in, in, in a couple more years. I mean, I, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. I mean, uh, Natalie touched on the biggest thing with South Carolina for me is the shooting. I feel like I'm watching a totally different program. I looked it up yesterday before I looked it up before uh, this most recent game um, that they played. So through their first eight games where they were eight and zero, they had made 58 threes. The past three seasons in their first eight games, they hadn't even hit 45 threes. So that shows you that there is more of an emphasis and, and personnel wise, it's not just Dawn saying, Hey, we're shooting threes now. <laughs> The, the personnel right. is to to shoot to shoot more threes. Malaysia Full Wiley, if 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 you knew about her coming in, you knew they had one of the best freshman talents coming in. And I I, I got familiar with her in the offseason coming in and I'm like, whoa, she whoa. <laughs> I haven't seen something like this that Dawn's gonna have since Zaya Cook was coming in. And and right. and Malaysia looked totally different than Zaya Cook. Like just Totally different. And we saw it right away in that first game against Notre Dame. Put him behind her back in transition. Like, she's just right. different. And Dawn kind of put the reins on her a little bit. Said, she got, you got to get better on defense. Hasn't been playing her as much. But even when she comes in, in the game yesterday, she comes in off the bench. His three threes. <laughs> so you have, a, you, have, you have talented players who, by the way, they still put the ball inside. So, so, so for right. me, the fact that you have now this three-point array attack that you can come with, pow, pow. Bree Hall, Malaysia's hitting threes. Raven Johnson's more comfortable and confident shooting the ball. She has something to prove going back to last season. That they're shooting the ball well, but they're still going inside to Camilla Cordoso. They, Chloe Kitts looks phenomenal for them. I love how she plays off of Camilla as their secondary big. She's long. She's athletic. Chloe Kitts. She's tough. So the balance of their roster is incredible, and it's probably the most balanced I've seen since watching them. You know, during this dawn era, mainly because they're way more dynamic shooting the three now. For sure. Way, way more dynamic. And they have people who are able to really contribute when they need to the most or different people who can close, like whether it's Tahina Pow Pow one game against Utah or it's Breezy Hall up against UNC. And that just shows you. And I think one quote that really stood out to me after the Utah game uh, from Don was, this is the worst we're going to be. So just yeah. imagine yeah. what we're going to be in March, in April. Like yeah. that, that is scary. That is. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what is she going to with the Dion? Like y'all better yeah. get <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but well, because you, you see it, right. They, they do, they have a lot of chemistry issues sometimes, or they're not on the yeah. same page. They're very careless with the ball. Um, where it's unforced turnovers, not like it's great defense. But then, and the other thing that I like about this team is Dawn, when when they're struggling and teams are coming back on runs, she don't be saving them. She yeah. she not captain save it, right? Y'all figure it out. Yeah, y'all figure it out. I know what y'all built up. I know when I need to press the certain button, 
and get y'all out. But y'all going to figure this thing out. And I think that's so great, a great message, not just for basketball, but in life where shit is going to get hard and you're going to falter. You're going to fall down. But how are you going to respond? What are you going to do when everything is all on the line? And so far, even throughout all their, their blemishes, like within the game, they've been able to come through in hostile environments. So that is something that really makes me happy about this team. But Nat, the other thing that we have to bring up is the way Dawn protects her players. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Dawn was talking about, or Martin was talking about how Chloe's tough, right? Raven has something to prove revenge on her mind after Caitlin, you know, shoot her off in the Final Four game. And they're blowing kisses to the crowds, the Cameron crazies. And Dawn was like, we're not, we not doing that. That's, that's not right. who we are. And even though we understand the spice, Dawn is going to make sure her players are looked at in a certain way that is uplifting. And I don't think she gets enough credit for that, especially when you look at how her rival with LSU, that super squad, uh, Kim Mulkey, that's, that's a whole different tune, a whole different approach now. Oh, agree. Look, I've been talking about this, you know, <laughs> regularly, and they've been coming for me and I don't give a damn, you know, because I think she is the perfect example of what it looks like to protect your players. And come on, Dawn is from Philly. Like we know she don't inherently have an issue with trash talk, but she understands, like you said, the stakes, how her players are depicted. And also you want them to be focused. You don't want their heads to get too big. So she's like, all right, we need to have a conversation about this. Just like when a couple of players broke rules and she brought them off the bench. Like, yeah, y'all not going to start because you violated team rules. She addressed it, explained it. And guess what? There was no more conversation about it afterwards. No one was speculating about why something happened to these players because she handled it properly. Okay. And that is how you protect your players, right? That is how you, um, you, you coach a team. And that's also, by the way, how you deal with the media, you know, like just, just, you know, and she's not even doing it like to, to try to show Kim Mulkey up, right? This is right. just who Dawn is. This is who she is. And so she's had so many moments this season where I'm just like, man, she's incredible. Like I want to spend entire shows um, giving Dawn flowers, even like what she did by playing Morgan State and explaining why she continues right. to, to play MEAC schools. Like she just, she's so dope. Like she's such a dope ambassador for the game, the women's game particularly. But, you know, I, like I'm just, I'm forever in awe of her um, and what she does. You in awe of her too, Martin? I, I hope so because- this, I, I, this ain't easy. I, There's somebody who rocks the way she does. No, nah, man, I absolutely am. And I want to say this too. Um, I have been uh, Zaya Cook. I, I After last season uh, on my show, I talked about how, and I would say this watching South Carolina over the years, um, I, their assistant coach, uh, Jolette Law, she's a friend of mine. And I went to see them play against Temple. I think this was Zaya and Aaliyah's freshman year. They played at Temple. And I was excited to see Zaya Cook. I watched her highlights in high school. I'm like, man, I can't wait to see her, how she looks. And uh, Dawn kind of had her on a leash freshman year. She wasn't doing all the things. I mean, no player is exactly the same in high school as they are in college. There's always a transition. 
And I talked to Coach Law after the game. I'm like, how's Zaya doing? Like, what, you know, what's, what's the vibe? How are you encouraging her? What's the, you know, what's the mood? And uh, she kind of told me some things about how they were just trying to teach her how to play college basketball. That's always the thing. And I've been uh, somewhat critical of Dawn in terms of giving more freedom to players like that, her most talented, creative players on the floor. Now, I, I completely respect and understand her system. She's a Coach Stringer disciple from Rutgers. Coach Stringer is one of my mentors. Coach Stringer was a, was a defensive coach. Dawn is a defensive coach. Coach Stringer was known to be a little rigid, a little traditional old school. Dawn has kind of taken taken on that mantra as well. But, but I want to say this, because I said this on my show. I, I would never go as far to say that Dawn has this rigid uh, – you can't accuse her of, of not creating an atmosphere of fun, right? So we're talking about her and Kim Mulkey, right, and, and this, this contrast. It can be easily – and I think this is so important, especially for players coming in, observing this stuff. From the outside looking in, especially after last season, if you're a player, you could easily – if you had LSU South Carolina, you could easily think – LSU is where I could have more fun. I can be myself. They let girls do this. They let girls talk to their social media. Dawn won't even let Raven talk about gang gang on the camera. So like if your wife's a player, you may think like, oh, I don't know, South Carolina. Like I know it's a great system, great program, culture. I'm going to grow up as a woman, I, a great coach. Like I know I can be great, but LSU, I might have more fun. I don't think it's that black and white. Mainly because of what when you look at Dawn in practice, Dawn's doing the chicken head in practice. <laughs> so you you right. gotta watch and see. It's not all just discipline and military. She's not like you know just the coach pop and just like oh we're gonna be strict all the time. She has a standard. She sets a standard, but there is balance. I think those girls are having fun. I think there is a culture and an atmosphere of fun that people may not speak about enough and point out enough because you see. Again, the counterpart, you see how they're how they get to be themselves in LSU and it's this whole freedom of character and spirit and stuff. You can talk trash, you can do what it and South Carolina seems like it's it's kind of the other side, but I don't think it's that black and white. I think Dawn is has a great balance of discipline and having an atmosphere of fun with, with her players. Yeah. Ironically, um, Sorry, Chris. I just, no, you know, it, it's not black and white in terms of the issue, but it's black and white in terms of the other dynamics at play. Right. And um, I think you said such an important thing where you said, like, Dawn won't even let her players do gang gang. And there, there's a reason for these things. Right. And when I spoke about this, about, you know, why sometimes I think it's important for players to have coaches who look like them. Now, it's not that I don't think a coach who is not black can't take the time to understand the different dynamics at play, right? But to me, a Black coach would understand how a player like Angel Reese is depicted in the media, you know, and would do things to protect her. I, I do this all the time, like even just working with our digital team. And like in the show, we had someone on the show speaking positively about Angel and said, Angel Reese, like, you know, you created this monster, but wasn't calling her a monster, was talking about like some other things. And they wanted to lead with that for the quote, like in the headline, I said, no, we can't do that. Like, I understand that it was a positive sentiment, but we cannot have in our headline, 
like Angel Reese, you created this monster because of how she is depicted in the media, right? And so Dawn understands that having the players doing gang gang and all, she knows the things that are said about her team and her players. So like she's protecting them when she stops them from doing certain interactions. And unfortunately it's not fair, but it's a way that all black people have to move in this world in various settings, right? We have to code switch. We got to talk differently. We got to do things in a different way. And Dawn gets that. She's intimately, you know, in tune with that and understands that in a way that Kim Mulkey does not or does not care to understand. And so I'm not suggesting that I don't understand, but I am not these players, why players choose to continue to go play for her in that program. But it is very black and white in this country in terms of, you know, how those players are going to be looked at. And that's why it's so important, in my opinion, um, for the right coaches to be coaching um, some of these players. If I ever am blessed to have a daughter, the first coach, and she plays basketball, the first coach I'm asking to give her an offer is Dawn Staley. That, like, I want you to play for her. That's that's it. Right? Kim Mulkey, not a chance in hell. And I know she's my, uh, no. Dawn Staley, she gets it. She understands. She can protect her players. And she can hold it down for the culture as well. Right? And, and going back just quickly before we get to our next topic, going back to the, the gang gang, y'all were referring to uh, what happened in uh, in Paris, right? Yeah, I think they were in Paris. Yeah. Like the team photo yeah, yeah, after. Yeah, they were in Paris. Yeah. Uh, Donald, right. Stop. Yeah. So okay. apparently that, yeah, so apparently that was a Gamecock sign. Uh, from what I learned, right? But she also understood, like, we're not doing that in this moment. That's not the time for it, right? right, on this stage. And so, again, it's being intentional and understanding how your players are going to look and, yeah, the discipline. I really Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman, some would call a thought leader. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. No unexplained theories, no mundane lessons, no using 20 words when two will do. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. I'm giving you straight talk, relatable stories, and life lessons through my own experiences and the lens of others. We're not just talking about why financial freedom is important. We're focusing on how you can achieve it too. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done from the streets to the suites. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? This your boy, Jerry Clark, and I am the host of Storytime with Legendary Jerry Podcast. For the last 30 years, I have worked with some of your favorite artists, like Outkast, Killer Mike, Jeezy, Akon, Jermaine Dupri, and so many, many more. Storytime with Legendary Jerry is an ode to the South. Southern rap has had the game on lock for years, and now I'm telling you legendary stories of how we did it. Like Pastor Troy doing the ad-libs for one of Justin Timberlake's biggest hits. Whenever you listen to Cry Me a River, man, I'm all through them ad-libs on that song. It's that one line. 
Wanna cry me a river. Uh-huh. Y'all hear this? Wait, to it, man. And what if I told you Jazzy Faye and CeeLo have an unreleased album just sitting in the vault waiting? Now you and CeeLo had a group for a minute, man. Yeah, we had a whole album in the can. We got a, we have a whole album. Now I have partnered with iHeart Podcast to bring you one of the hottest podcasts in the game, telling you some of the most unheard stories in the music industry. Listen to Storytime with Legendary Jerry on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Angela Yee, host of Angela Yee's Lip Service. If you listen to my podcast, you know I love making space for women to be themselves. That's why I'm excited to be part of Women Take the Mic, iHeartRadio's celebration of the women who make music, influence change, and create culture. All month long, your favorite voices from talk radio, music, and podcasting will highlight the remarkable achievements made by women and discuss the most significant issues facing us today. Search Women Take the Mic to listen to a collection of International Women's Day episodes from iHeart's top podcasts, including Dear Chelsea, The Psychology of Your 20s, and Lip Service. It's a great way to support women and discover your new favorite show. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash Women's Day for more and listen to Women Take the Mic on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Love, But speaking of discipline, Zion Williamson, my fake cousin, uh, he needs some more discipline with his conditioning. He does. He does. And, and, but you know what? I think we need to have that conversation responsibly. So I hope that we can take the time here to do that. And I believe we will. Um, I think it's totally valid to be critical of Zion I also think it's valid to listen to what Zion has told us in the past. Right. And um, he like we have an issue in general in this country with how we talk about people's size and their weight. Right. So some of the conversations for me have been uncomfortable. What I've been seeing in the media, um, the discourse, you know, around him. I am not comfortable with how quickly people are to call this man fat. (laughs) or to call other players fat. He's not fat. Even if he's out of shape or conditioning, he's not fat. And even if he is, it's like, it's just, it it feels like it's bullying. Some of it, it feels like it's um, an attempt just to be mean, right? There are some people who struggle with eating um, the right foods. Um, And I feel like, especially um, when you're a black media member and you're talking about players like this, like, obviously, we all grew up in different environments, but like food and weight and, and what we eat and choose to eat has, is a thing in the black community. So to me, I like I want Zion to get the proper guidance he needs and the support and the structure around him, not just for basketball purposes, but for his own health. Right. To better you know, take care of his body um, for his health. And ultimately, if he's doing that, it's going to benefit the team, right? But he talked about when everybody was talking about it like that, how it impacted him mentally. And I know mental health is something that we, we, as in I'm saying the media, when it comes to sports, treating players like they're humans, the black community, right? There's this stigma around it, right? Um, And he's been open with us and told us. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk about the fact that his conditioning is an issue, but let's talk about it responsibly. And, you know, to, to, to respond to those critics last night, what he did was came back and led his team in a very dominant win 
over right now, you could argue the hottest team in the NBA, if you're not yet prepared to call the Timberwolves the best team in the NBA. So like shout out for Zion for having that kind of performance. Um, But I, I do hope that you know, he can get the help that he needs. I also just don't love that all of this was coming out after they had a poor showing in the in the IST and, and they lost and I get it, but it's just like, and we've heard this about him before, but it just felt, again, it felt very strategic the way all of that came out, like right after they lost. Martin, I want to ask you this, because speaking about all these things that come out, the leaks from the team, right? It ain't coming from anybody else. It ain't coming from Zion's camp. It doesn't benefit him. Why do you think they continue to drag his name through the mud or try to, I guess, motivate or expose him through the media when clearly there's a serious issue here, even though the brother's putting up 22, five and six, I believe, on a year on 57 percent shooting. And I know the expectation is you need to go higher because of his talent. But I'm just lost. I'm at lost for words for why the Pelicans continue to do this when I don't think it's going to have a positive effect. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's definitely, you need somebody internally who is connecting with him and, and helping it, who, who's advocating for him and for things to be coming out of the organization generally is very discouraging. And it makes, it makes me wonder if there's anyone specifically assigned now, maybe I'm sure, you know, it's an NBA organization. I'm sure they've tried. I'm sure a nutritionist, I'm sure they've thrown different people his way. My mind goes back to, I almost forgot about this. And as you guys were talking, people had said when Teresa Weatherspoon was let go from the Pelicans, that that was a huge knock to Zion. Apparently she was the person who was very connected to Zion. He sang her praises. I don't know how much she was helping him with like nutrition and getting in shape, but I know Teresa Weatherspoon is a motivator. And she pours into people. And I, I can assume based on her spirit and her passion that her being there was a, was a difference for him. And so I, now I question and I wonder if there's someone there. You, you, need, you need a credible individual who he trusts, who is there to, to, to just to help him. My last kind of takeaway on this is, you know, to your point, Chris, you know, Sure. If he, you know, if he gets chiseled and he slims down and he becomes like, the, you know, the black Hulk and he just like, sure, he might go the 30, 10 and eight. He may, you know, he may just start dominating everybody. I don't know if, if people really want that, by the way, be careful what you wish for, because that, right. look what he's doing now. If he's fat, whatever he is, whatever you want, and he's able to get 35 in an NBA game, y'all should just leave him alone. Y'all can't say nothing to him. If he was fat and he was a dud out there, then, then say what you, you know, but I'm like, bro, what, what, why are y'all getting off him? If he's like, I'm sure he may not look great, whatever, like say, but bro, he's, he's performing. He just had 35 against Minnesota. He's got games with 25, 10 and eight this season. Like if he's fat, man, so be it. Let them worry about that. He's out there. He's performing. Um, It's not going to be great for, you know, his, his body type, man. I can't imagine Dealing with right. that, managing him, coaching that kind of body type, that's something we've never seen, especially the way he jumps and lands, all of that yeah. weight. My God, I can't yeah. imagine what that takes to, to you know, it's not Derrick Rose. It's not John Wall. Like, Zion is a big boy who jumps just as yeah. high as the other guys. 
I can't imagine what that's like. So this is a very unique situation and you need unique people in there to, to, to help him through it. But, but again, the dude is getting, bro, if I was fat getting 35 in the NBA, you couldn't tell me a damn thing. Right. It's also not good for business, right? I mean, if you do ultimately trade him and his name has been in trade talks, if you've talked about how poorly conditioned he is and how he eats and all these problems and you're leaking it to the media, you're going to get low ball offers for a guy, a talent. Like, yes, teams are going to still be interested in Zion, right? Especially teams who feel like if he comes here, well, we can better manage it. Because, I mean, let's let's just be real. The Pelicans aren't known to be an organization that's like this standard or beacon of, 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 you know, you know, getting their players to the right place. But I'm just saying you're also hurting his trade value, you know, because I don't, I don't know if Zion is going to make it and be a Pelican for the rest of his career. In fact, I doubt it, but whether he leaves on his own or ultimately a trade, you're not making it better by leaking these things because he has no reason to help you out, right? He has no reason to want to extend. And um, if you do want to trade him, maybe like, you know, get him to, 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 to sign so you can trade him. He has no reason to help you. Nope. Not, not at all. Like I see y'all dragging me. Y'all putting my name out there and saying all these nasty things right behind, you know, a source um, who, who's going to like that. And yeah, he, there are times where there's no reason why Zion should be um, getting out hustled by LeBron James, who's, so somebody put it like 75 years old, right? And he has to be in better better shape. But to Martin's point, yeah, I'm still getting buckets. I'm still cooking y'all. And what you're, what you're going to do? So the other thing I want to pr- bring up is after the game against the Timberwolves, people asked him about, you know, the criticism. And I think he gave a very mature response where he said, you know, if it's coming from a good place, referring to guys like Chuck and Shaq, then thank you. But if it's coming from, you know, a place of you're trying to shame me or trying to bring me down, then, you know, people are entitled to their own opinions. I can't control that. Basically, I don't give a fuck that. Right. But he was being very polite uh, in those ways. So I'm glad he has the maturity to understand. Yeah, there are things that he needs to work in, you know, going back a little bit further. I need to buy into, you know, the system. Um, And that's something that I think we haven't seen or we didn't see before. So that's good to see, Mark. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Zion, I will say he should be able to dominate LeBron right now. I think he's good enough. I think he's strong enough. He's like in in his peak form, like, and I had nothing against LeBron, but like he is pushing 40, bro. Like you should, you know, some of these young guys are out here giving LeBron hell and he should be one of them. Like it's guys need to need to start taking their shots at LeBron. You got to get him now. Get him now while he's old. Get your right. highlight. Cook him now while he's old. But it, bro, I don't. People having a hard time, but he's still you still he still can't do nothing with him. But he should be at that point now. I will say that. Yes. And the last thing I'll say about, and I think Nat, you touched on this really well. Certain members of the media, especially black members of the media, who are fat shaming him and talking about, yeah, we got all these chefs that want him to come to his restaurants. They love having him come to the restaurant and that, yeah, he'll eat the whole damn table. Have some, have some dignity, have some, some empathy and some compassion. You wouldn't want anybody to talk about you that way or 
your your children or whatever. What you're a journalist, or you yeah, right? So just do better. Because now you brought up in the beginning, there are ways to talk about his weight management and conditioning without being disrespectful yeah. and clowning him like he's not a human being. So Yeah. Yeah. And you've allegedly learned from your past transgression, so but it doesn't seem like it. That your words, not his words, not mine. But like there's other players who have come back and talked about like how you spoke about them impacted them. So it's like, you know, I, I don't know. But again, you know, like Zion has already told us in recent history that it affects his mentals. So stop doing that. Exactly. <laughs> like stop doing it. Yeah. Because if honestly, if he really does become impacted and someone does something, then what's the conversation going to be? Right then what's the conversation going to be? And I'm not wishing for something bad to happen, but I'm just saying we want people to be more open about what they're feeling, what's happening. And then when they do, you don't care or they, you clown them for it. Right. Got to do better. Got to do better. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Some would call a thought leader. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. No unexplained theories, no mundane lessons, no using 20 words when two will do. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. I'm giving you straight talk, relatable stories, and life lessons through my own experiences and the lens of others. We're not just talking about why financial freedom is important. We're focusing on how you can achieve it too. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done from the streets to the suites. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? This your boy, Jerry Clark, and I am the host of Storytime with Legendary Jerry Podcast. For the last 30 years, I have worked with some of your favorite artists, like Outkast, Killer Mike, Jeezy, Akon, Jermaine Dupree, and so many, many more. Storytime with Legendary Jerry is an ode to the South. Southern rap has had the game on lock for years, and now I'm telling you legendary stories of how we did it. Like Pastor Troy doing the ad-libs for one of Justin Timberlake's biggest hits. Whenever you listen to Cry Me a River, man, I'm all through them ad-libs on that song. It's that one, 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 cry me a river, ah. Y'all hear this, man? to it, man. And what if I told you Jazzy Faye and CeeLo have an unreleased album just sitting in the vault waiting? Now, you and CeeLo had a group for a minute, man. Yeah, we got a whole album in the can. We got a, we have a whole album. Now I have partnered with iHeart Podcast to bring you one of the hottest podcasts in the game, telling you some of the most unheard stories in the music industry. Listen to Storytime with Legendary Jerry on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Angela Yee, host of Angela Yee's Lip Service. If you listen to my podcast, you know I love making space for women to be themselves. That's why I'm excited to be part of Women Take the Mic, iHeartRadio's celebration of the women who make music, influence change, and create culture. All month long, your favorite voices from talk radio, music, and podcasting will highlight the remarkable achievements made by women and discuss the most significant issues facing us today. 
Search Women Take the Mic to listen to a collection of International Women's Day episodes from iHeart's top podcasts, including Dear Chelsea, The Psychology of Your 20s, and Lip Service. It's a great way to support women and discover your new favorite show. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash Women's Day for more and listen to Women Take the Mic on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Absolutely. And speaking of doing better, um, an Illinois state head coach needs to do a whole lot better with his fan base and himself uh, for what he didn't do uh, in a very heated moment against Norfolk State. Whew, time for jump ball, and man, people were jumping for a whole lot of reasons on Saturday between Illinois State and Norfolk State. And the reason why is because allegedly racial slurs were being thrown. Fans were throwing racial slurs at Norfolk State players. And that is why Norfolk State's head coach, Robert Jones, got very upset about what was going on, ended up getting a tech, and he ended up coming after Illinois State's head coach, Ryan Peden. And Ryan had the audacity to yell back at him Say, I don't care. Basically, right, I don't care. Now he since apologized. He didn't know what he didn't know what the coach was yelling about. So he just yelled back, I guess, as an instinct, whatever. Never addressed the reason why Coach Jones was so mad. Um, but it is 2023, as Coach Jones put out. There's no reason why we should be tolerating fans throwing the N-word, calling Norfolk State Guard Jamari Thomas the N-word. What what Nat, well, Martin, I'll go with you first since I've been going with Nat earlier. What are you most offended by this whole sequence, this whole experience? Because that's crazy. Yeah, um, I've I have this thing. I've been talking to people lately. Um, I was at my little cousin. He's a freshman at Marist College in his first college basketball season. I was at one of his first home games recently. And I was on the other end from his bench looking at that was pretty close to the other bench near the huddle during a timeout. And I was watching the coach talk to his team. Um, I won't say which what program it was, but it, was, it wasn't Marist. It was the team they were playing. But the coach was looking at his players with all types of MFers and you soft and you this and you that. And I, I, I kind of had to snap out of it because I was sitting there and, you know, I practice mindfulness and meditation now. So stuff, you know, you look at stuff and you tend to take a second look. So all of a sudden I snap out. I'm like, yo, why am I acting like this is normal? So my takeaway from this thing is like what I'm most offended by is that college basketball coaches are psychos and we are too often making it normal, particularly male white college basketball coaches. Too many of them are just psychos. We have too often normalized this idea, even as, as players, like I'm watching the players He's like, you motherfucker, you saw, you saw, and the players are just, you know, like, we just, we just take it. We just think it's normal and acceptable now. You know, like, you, you just got to overcome that. Like, you just expect that from a college coach nowadays. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I wonder how much different his team would play if he just, like, switched up his whole approach. Like, guys, you're okay. Like, like, just switch the whole approach. And I wonder, because they were a bad team. They were playing terribly. I'm like, they're not going to play any better with yeah. you talking to them. Like, you think they're going to go out there and perform better with you talking to them like that? It's not going to work. Like, and we tend to think that that's the motivation we need. So coming back to the situation, I just think college basketball coaches are too often psychos. 
and your boy who ended up apologizing, he, he said himself, he was just yelling for no reason. We, we gotta, we gotta calm down a little bit better in this culture of college basketball and athletics and competition and sport. We can't just be running on high and if someone yells, you just yell back. Like, we don't even know what you're yelling about. <laughs> he said it himself. He didn't even know why he was, stop, shut up, listen to what he said. You would have heard him say, he called my player the N-word. You might have had a different response. So this is, this is a humanistic, societal, <laughs> you know, challenge that we're dealing with that has trickled into college basketball and athletics where we have just made it too normal to be psycho. Yeah, I mean... Look, even if I take him at his word that he didn't know, and look, I'm I'm a very passionate person, so I understand heat of the we moment know, stuff, love it. right? Like I've had times on Twitter where I, you know, misunderstood something or overreacted to something, and I just say, "Hey, look, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have reacted that way." So I I will give you all of that, but for me, Chris, it's it's the apology. It's like there was no condemnation of of what he said, and to me, of what what the what the alleged reasons were for why it got to where it was, right? And even if you you if you want to say you don't know if someone said it, you couldn't prove who said it or any of that, you can still make the generic blanket statement like we don't tolerate discrimination of any kind, racial epithets should not, you know, whatever it is, but just. To not acknowledge it at all for me is 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 problematic in the response. So therefore, I don't care about your apology because it's like you've already now told me you were just being rowdy to be rowdy. <laughs> and then now when you find out the real issue to me, it still wasn't a strong enough apology. So um, I'm sorry that like Norfolk, you, you know, state had to go through that. Um doesn't surprise me <laughs> at all. I'm, I'm sorry that they had to, to go through that. And I did like something Martin said about just the normalizing of things because I am often told I'm a woman, so I don't understand things or because I didn't play, I don't know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, and this is in general with a lot of stuff. People be trying to tell me, oh, this is normal. I'm like, listen, I don't know what y'all went through when y'all were growing up, but we need to stop normalizing things and saying that they are normal. You know, like it is not normal behavior to like deal with your um, frustrations through physical um, altercations or even um, like being disrespectful. And this is coming from someone who struggles with tone, struggles with the way she talks to people sometimes. And I've had to be checked for it, you know, and I've lost relationships over it. And I can't just be like, well, I'm just being real. And, you know, you have to be introspective and look, look at yourself and say, all right, Natalie, where can you do better? Okay. And so I'm not saying that I got it perfect. You know, this is not a, 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 you know, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. What I'm saying is we all struggle with certain things. We learn the ways that we communicate sometimes from our families, what we see around us, and they're not correct. Um, and they can, they can be improved. Like just because that's what it was, doesn't mean it can't be improved. So, you know, um, let's look to be better. I personally make the choice to go to therapy regularly. I think everybody should be going to therapy. That's my little quick therapy plug. But, um, but you know, like what happened is not okay, you know? And, um, 
it's 2023. We about to be 2024 and we still got to deal with players being called, you know, the N word. Like what, like, (laughs) what are we doing? You know, there's a problem. Yeah. Big, big problem society. And I don't, I don't understand how his players, coach Peden's players probably could feel comfortable playing for him. Of course, there's power dynamics and all that. And they're young, impressionable, but yeah, I'd, I'd be in the transfer portal the second I saw that interaction sure. and how he did and the way he responded with the apology. Yeah. And we get we got one more topic before we get out of here, because I know y'all busy people, very important to the rest of the world. The WNBA, the WNBA draft lottery came and went. And guess what? The Indiana Fever got the number one pick once again. Aaliyah Boston was in the house <laughs> to get it. Los Angeles got number two, Phoenix three for Seattle. So quickly, Martin. Is Caitlin Clark, if she decides to come out, which I expect she should, do you think that's a really good fit for her in Feverland? 100 Bruh, Caitlin Clark and Aaliyah Boston? Forget about it. Forget about it. Positionally, with perfect sense, Caitlin is a great lead. She could play on the ball, off the ball. She looks for her rim runners. We know what she could do shooting the three ball. Like, bruh, Caitlin is the best situation for her is to go in to play with an elite big or some other elite complimentary player for Caitlin and Aaliyah. Yes. The answer is yes, that will work. That will, we, we, I saw the stat or the history team, the last couple teams who got back to back number one picks went on to win a title eventually, but Caitlin and Aaliyah, that is, that is the foundation of, of championship Indiana fever basketball. Absolutely. Hell of a one-two punch. Hell of a one-two punch. Um, it's going to be interesting because of the two fan bases that support these players, yes. having right. them come together now and support them on the same team. Look, I'm excited about the prospect of what it can be. I'm also, I, I don't want to go here yet because we don't know what she's going to do, but I'm also just a little concerned about, you know, we. I hope this doesn't occur. Like we see it often on the NBA side of things where now it becomes this like, who's the number one and who's the better player and comparing two teammates, like, you know, which I feel like is inevitably going to happen. But, um, you know, like Indiana way, like, you know, even though it may not be apparent from their record this year, Aliyah Boston improved them so much. Like they, you know, tremendously. And they were a team many times at points in the season. I said, they're better than their record reflected. You know, I know you are what your record says you are, but they, they were in games. They were competitive. Um, this would be like just incredible. So I hope Caitlin, I hope Caitlin does go. I need all the people to be quiet about, oh, she should stay back to win. First of all, I was not going to win. So you're, you're saying silliness. And secondly, um, you know, like Caitlin Clark is not going to have any problems getting endorsements at the pro level. So she does not need to stay back for NIL. Stop, stop misrepresenting information, you know, like she can go to the pro level and still get those endorsements. So I would love to see Aaliyah Boston and Caitlin together. And I hope that that happens. And my only other comment really about the draft, cause we really, we don't know who else is going to come out. We don't know if you know, I hope they all come out, right? You know, like Paige is up there, um, you know. So there, there's, there's lots of players. But one thing I'll say is, like, we don't really know what's going to happen with Angel Reese. And I've seen her outside of the top 10. I've seen her um, inside of the top 10. But one thing I don't love with, like, a lot of these uh, descriptions about what she will add to any team she goes to is toughness. 
you know, can we, can we think of other ways (laughs) to discuss what Angel Reese will bring to a team besides toughness? And I'm not saying that it doesn't matter, but like, come on guys. Talk to Andrea Carter if you guys aren't sure how to describe players, okay? All right, I'm going to just leave it there. <laughs> I, I'm totally for it. Totally for it. Like, use your words. Use your vocabulary. Be intelligent. Don't be so lazy with your analysis. Be like Martin Suarez, right? He'll break that game. He'll break the game down like no other. So, yeah, be like Martin. Don't be lazy with all that toughness talk. Um, but, yeah, Caitlin Clark, Aaliyah Boston, that one-two punch high-low would be phenomenal in box office. And on that note, that is all the time we have for this episode of 3 on 3 Pod. Make sure to listen to the 3 on 3 Podcast on iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at D3on3Pod and Instagram, 3on3Pod. We'll see you next week. Appreciate y'all, Nat and Martin. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday... My newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Jerry Clark, and I am the host of Storytime with Legendary Jerry Podcast. For the last 30 years, I have worked with some of your favorite artists, like Outkast, Killer Mike, Jeezy, Akon, Jermaine Dupri, and so many, many more. Storytime with Legendary Jerry is an ode to the South. Southern rappers had the game on lock for years, and now I'm telling you legendary stories of how we did it. Listen to Storytime with Legendary Jerry on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.